Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian, I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. Do you ever struggle with belief? Is belief ever a challenge for you? I think for all of us, there are times when it is easier to believe than it is at other points in our lives. One of those things that accentuates the challenge is the way we look at and categorize belief. I'll tell you what I mean by that in a moment. Today we're going to look at one person's journey of belief, and we're going to talk about what that means for us as well. So I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe God has something He would like to say to you. There are things in our lives, there's things in our lives that are one-time things, and then there's things in our lives that are a longer process. There's things in life that just happen once, and there's things in our life that are part of a longer process. And sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I wish I could take some of the things that are part of a longer process and just make them a one-time thing. Let me give you an example of what I, what I mean. Sometimes I, rather than just continue, having to continue to go through something, I, w- I wish I could just make it a one-time thing. I'll give you a simple example. Wouldn't it be great if when you moved into your apartment or your house or your dorm room or whatever it is that you are living, wouldn't it be great if you just moved into that place and you cleaned it once and that was the end of cleaning the house forever? But the reality with cleaning is that it's a much longer process. It's never done. And you know what happens with cleaning is you say to yourself uh, that you are going to finish one piece of cleaning, that if you could just get the kitchen clean, then all the cleaning would be done. And then you go and you clean the kitchen and wash all the dishes and wipe down all the cabinets and wipe down all the countertops, and you sweep and mop, and all it does is make you notice that the living room is insanely dirty. And you didn't notice when the kitchen was dirty, but now that the kitchen is clean, the living room is dirty. And something like cleaning is a process that goes on and on and on and on. You do it once, it's never over. It's the same way with maintaining the place that you live. It always seems like there's a project to do around the house, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, I have this feeling every once in a while that maybe this will be it. If we could just get through this project, for a while we'll feel like things are done. And then I say, if we could just get the windows painted, or if we could just get uh, the carpet replaced, then we'll be done for a while. But you know what happens. You get the carpet replaced, and all it does is raise the next project to the surface, and you start focusing on that one. It would be great if home maintenance was a one-time thing, if you just built the house and that was it. But it takes time. It's a process. You know, sometimes in our lives, we make a mistake because we take what is a process and we treat it as a one-time thing. We take what is something that should last a long time and we need to do over and over and over again, and we treat it as something that just happens once. This is the advice I give whenever I am um, doing premarital counseling. To someone who's not yet married, it feels like the marriage is the wedding. That's what you're planning for. That's what you're getting ready for. That's what you're spending all sorts of money on and and prepping for is the wedding. But a wedding is a one-time event. Ask anyone who's been married for two seconds and they'll tell you that marriage is a much longer process. And we could actually get ourselves in trouble when we treat marriage as if it is a one-time event. And some of us have made that mistake before. Where we think, hey, we did a wedding. We're married. 
should be good to go. That's not the case. It's a much longer process. Same way, I guess, if you think about getting a job, you're looking for a job, and you say, if I could just get a job, the project would be over. And so someone hires you, but if you don't go to work and do the work and get better in your job, it's not going to go well for you. The job is a much longer process. If you treat the job as a one-time event, just getting hired, it actually works against you. And this morning, what I want us to think about is there is a place in our lives, in your life and my life, in our relationship with God, where I think we are tempted to treat what needs to be in our lives a long process as a one-time event. And when we do, we impact our lives negatively. I've made this mistake, and I bet that you've made this mistake before. Even if you're not someone who believes in Jesus Christ, even if you're not someone who would call yourself a follower of Jesus, I bet that you think this is the way it works, that it actually is a one-time event when really it's something that should last a lifetime. And many of us right now this morning are making a mistake. We are treating something that is to be a lifelong process as a one-time event. And I want to encourage us this morning to think a little bit differently. To do that, we're going to look at, this, at a story, and we're going to look at the life of one character in this story. It's a man by the name of Nathaniel. Now, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been walking slowly through the Gospel of John. And the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so John is telling the story of Jesus' ministry here on this earth. And last week, if you were here, you know, Pastor Marvin did an excellent job preaching a sermon on the life of John the Baptist, one of Jesus' cousins, uh, who was the, the forerunner, who went ahead of Jesus. And the entire purpose of John the Baptist's life was to point other people to Jesus. And we were reminded last week that the point of our lives, if we follow Jesus Christ, is to point other people to Jesus. Well, this morning, where we are in the story, is that now that John the Baptist has started to point people to Jesus and said, stop following me, go follow that guy, Jesus is in the process of getting together his disciples. You know, he had 12 disciples. You probably have heard that before. And so when we pick up the story here, Jesus is in the process of gathering together those disciples. And here's what John writes in John chapter 1, Verse 43. We're going to go all the way through chapter 2, verse 11, but we're going to take this in chunks here. But so start in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. I told you we're going to be looking at a story, and we're going to focus specifically on the character of Nathaniel in this story this morning. And when we first meet Nathaniel, Nathaniel is at the beginning of a process. Nathaniel's at the beginning of a process. And we find Nathaniel in a place where Nathaniel is doing what you do and what I do, and I would suggest to you anybody living on the face of the earth right now is doing. And that is Nathaniel is searching for something. Nathaniel is searching for something. 
In fact, Philip, his friend Philip, he comes back to Nathaniel, and when Philip comes and finds Nathaniel in the story, this is basically what he says to him. Nathaniel, you know that thing that we've been searching for? I found it. And Nathaniel, as a Jewish person, was waiting specifically for the Messiah. That was the belief. That for the Jewish people, there was a Messiah that was coming, and that Messiah would be the answer to all their deepest questions, their deepest longings, desires, questions. Whoever the Messiah was, whenever he came, he would be the solution to all of those problems and all of those things. And Nathaniel, just like Philip, just like anyone else that they would have known who was a Jewish person, was waiting for that person. They were searching for that person who would come and fulfill that role. And I don't know what your background is or where you come from, but I would suggest that all of us are searching for the same thing, that all of us want to find that thing that fulfills our deepest desires, solves the problems, gives us meaning and purpose and hope. When you meet someone on the street, you have this in common with them. You might be looking for it in a different place. You might be trying to find it in a different place. They may be avoiding the question entirely by doing something so their brain doesn't think about it. But all of us have these questions. Why are we here? What's the point? What's the purpose? What can fulfill me? What can satisfy me? What can give me a reason to live? Everyone is searching for something like that. And when we meet Nathaniel, he's in that same boat. He's looking for something. And so we find Nathaniel, and he is searching. He's at the start of a very big process. And Philip comes to him and says, we found him. We found him, the one that, that we've been looking for, the one the prophets and Moses have talked about, the Messiah. We have found him. And Nathaniel makes this comment back. He's not only searching, but Nathaniel is very skeptical. And he says, it's Jesus. Philip says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Here's where searching skeptical Nathaniel is. I've lived here about 15, 16 years here in this part of the country, and here's one thing I've learned. Even though Boston is a big metropolitan area, the individual's towns and cities matter a lot. It's not like other parts of the country where you just have a big city that continues to expand. The individual towns and cities matter a lot. And if we live in different towns, there's probably 15 towns represented in the room right now or cities. And if you live in a city or a town, there is a different town that you and all the people you know would never live in, right? You know what I'm talking about. You get together with the other people from your town or city, and you talk about that place. It's too urban. It's too rural. You would never live there. The housing prices, who would pay those? It's ridiculous in that community. I would never live there. We all know what that's like. We all have our city or town and our people that gather together. We get together for our, our sporting events. We get together in our schools. And, and there's some town out there that everyone else points at and says, I would never, ever live there. Now imagine someone came to you and said, hey, you know how you have deep longings and desires? Problems that you really want solved? I found the solution. And guess what? It's this guy I met and he's from fill in the blank. What would your reaction be? You kidding me? 
I'm not going to name a town because I don't want to get, you know, I don't want anyone to leave. But fill in the blank in your head. We found him. He said he's going to solve all the problems. It's what we've been waiting for. And he's from blank. And you would say, you kidding me? You're telling me the answer to all of my life's deepest problems and the solution I've been looking for my whole life is from there? And that's Nathaniel's place. He's searching. He wants to find it. But he's totally skeptical. If it's coming, it's not coming from Nazareth. Not that place. He would never live there. Nor would any of his friends. And so what does Philip do? Philip meets Nathaniel where he's searching and skeptical, and Philip just gives him an invitation. Philip doesn't argue with him. Philip doesn't put, up, put together a PowerPoint and give him a whole bunch of bullets as to why he should go. Philip gives him an invitation. We found him, Nathaniel. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know what? Come and see. Come and see. It's just like you would do if you go to a restaurant and you love the restaurant and then you went back to your friends and you said to them, have you eaten at this place? It's unbelievable. And they said, I've seen it from the outside and it looks so run down. I would never eat there. It's just the parking lot's not nice. The outside of the building isn't nice. We've never walked in. You would say, listen, you have to go in and try the food. The food is unbelievable. Come and see. And that's what Philip does for Nathaniel. Nathaniel, make your own determination. Just come and see. Come and see. Let me tell you this morning, some of us in the room where you would not call yourself a follower of Jesus. In fact, you're in the place that you're searching for something. You're looking for an answer. But when people come to you and they say, hey, I have the answer. And guess where I found it? I found it in church. You would say back to them, are you kidding me? That divisive, backwards place. That place that, that is, is, is spewing hate and wants to keep our culture uh, in a bad place. How in the world are you going to tell me that you found the answer there? I think many of people in our world are in that place. And I would give anyone the same invitation. Well, come and see. You have an opinion that's been formed, but you're forming it from a distance, just like Nathaniel did. You're forming that opinion from a distance. You're forming it from things that you've heard and things that you've watched from afar. You're forming that opinion because you read a paper online or you're forming that opinion because you saw some talking heads on television. But come and see. Come and see if it's really what you think it is. Come and see who Jesus really is. If that's you and you're in this place this morning, I would invite you to do the same thing. Stop listening to what other people say about Jesus and you come and see. Come and see who he really is. This is Nathaniel's spot. He's searching. He's skeptical. Philip, his friend, just gives him an invitation. And here's what happens next. This is verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. 
And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's a lot here in these verses. Something happens between Jesus and Nathaniel where Nathaniel is walking towards Jesus. And there's this moment where Jesus conveys to Nathaniel before Nathaniel gets to him that Jesus knows who Nathaniel is. And it has a dramatic impact on Nathaniel's life. Now, scholars and commentators have a lot to say about this, this moment with Nathaniel under the fig tree and what it could mean, and it's super interesting. We don't really have time to get into all of that this morning. And so what I want us to focus on is this reality that as Nathaniel is coming towards Jesus, Jesus communicates back to Nathaniel, I see you and I know you. And it has a dramatic impact on Nathaniel's life. Here's the thing, Nathaniel has this encounter with Jesus Christ, but he never has the encounter if he doesn't accept the invitation. He's searching and he's skeptical, he gets this invitation. If he refuses the invitation, he never has the encounter. But Nathaniel takes the invitation and he goes towards Jesus and he has this moment where Jesus says, I see you, Nathaniel, I saw you, and I know you. And something radically impacts Nathaniel in that moment where he says back to Jesus, you are who I've been waiting for. You are the Son of God. For those of you who have accepted the invitation to come and see who Jesus is, my guess is you know what this feels like. Have you ever had something in your life where God, it seems like God is saying to you, I see you and I know you. It's one of the the greatest things that can happen. When you think with the, the billions of people living on the earth and all that's happening, that there are things where God communicates to us, I see you, and I know you. Last night, we gathered together, uh, some of us, uh, for a celebration. Patrick and Maria Hunt were married a couple of months ago. We had a big celebration last night, a big reception to celebrate that, and that was a great time together. And Patrick was telling me this story. As they got ready for the reception, as they got ready for this, this moment, uh, it, was, it was very stressful, as these things tend to be. Anyone that's gotten ready for a wedding or some sort of big gathering, you know what it's like. You're trying to get all the details together. Maria did an unbelievable job decorating and doing everything else. Everything looked fantastic. And so all the energy and effort that has to go into getting everything ready. And one of the things, now some of us, we know that we have benefited greatly from Maria's ability to bring baked goods into the fellowship hall uh, after church. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And one of the things Maria wanted to do was make her own wedding cake. So she already had the baking piece down, but she needed to learn how to work with fondant and finish everything off. And so there was a class that was happening just a few weeks ago, right before, as she's getting ready for the wedding. Stress and everything that's going on. She signs up for the class. She's going to learn how to do this. Everything's going to be great. She gets a call right before the class is about to start. We've canceled the class. Now, any, any uh, normal day, it might not be that big of a deal, but you know how these things work. This is a huge deal. And so the canceled class is frustrating and it's stressful and you're wondering, is everything going to get done? Is everything going to happen? And just after that, Maria was, said she was walking out of her building, the apartment complex that they live in. She's walking out of her building. And right 
in the lobby of the building, there was a, a beautiful cake knife and cake server just sitting there in the lobby. Out of nowhere. Wasn't expecting it to be there. Beautiful cake knife and server. And you know these sets, right? They make them for weddings. You can't just use a normal knife at a wedding. That would be terrible, right? The, wedding, the, the marriage might not last. You have to have the nice knife with the nice server. you got to get the good one in the package, ready to go. And there it was, made for a wedding, sitting there in the lobby with a sign, free, please take me. And it's just those little things that God says, I see you, and I know you. It happens when you open up the Bible. And you open up a Bible verse, and like Alana was saying as she gets ready for the Mother's Day tea, you open up the Bible, and it's like God put those verses in there for you. And you're walking through something stressful, difficult, exciting, and you come across a verse. And you read it, and it's as if God speaks that verse directly to you, even though it was written thousands of years ago. And it's just God saying to you, I see you, and I know you. And Nathaniel has this moment, and just like for us in our lives, when God speaks to us individually, when God does something that reminds us who he is and that he's in control, it changes our life. When those things sort of happen, we, when those things happen, we look back at God and we say, that's right, you are the answer that I've been looking for. You are the one who sustains me, just like Nathaniel does. And Jesus gives Nathaniel this promise, Nathaniel. You think that was impressive? You think that was worth seeing? If you follow me, you'll see even greater things than these. And so Nathaniel has this invitation to come and see Jesus, but he also has this invitation to follow. And here's what happens the next day as Nathaniel decides to follow. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. Cana, by the way, is Nathaniel's hometown. We learn later in this book. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, but when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And, listen to this, and his disciples believed in him. Nathaniel gets this invitation to follow Jesus, and he does. He's skeptical, searching. He gets an invitation. He goes to Jesus. He has an encounter. He follows, and then he has this experience. 
Jesus promised him he'd see something greater. And he does, right away. And what happens when he has this experience, where he's at this wedding and Jesus is there and the disciples are there and Mary is there, and there's this moment where Jesus does the miraculous, where Jesus does what no one else could do and changes the water into wine, and Nathaniel has this experience. And what does it say right there at the end? As a result of the experience, Jesus' disciples believed in him. And so what started as skepticism and searching comes full circle in these verses to Nathaniel and the other disciples having belief in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question. When did Nathaniel really start believing? Was it when he accepted the invitation to come and see and Jesus called to him and said, Nathaniel, I know you and I see you. I saw you under the fig tree. And he says, uh, he says oh, so you are the son of God. Is that when he believed? Did he believe when, when Jesus invited him to follow and said, Nathaniel, come with me and you'll see greater things than these. Is that when he believed? Or is it, is it after the, the water into wine? Is that when Nathaniel finally believed? When in the story is it that Nathaniel finally believed You see, many times we treat in our lives belief in Jesus Christ as a one-time event. It happens once and then it's over. It happens one time and then we're done with it. And maybe we, we do it this way. Maybe we say, okay, I'll just, I'll just do what the church wants me to do. So I'll make first communion, that will be belief, and then I'll be done. Or I'll, I'll make my confirmation, and that'll be belief, and then I'll be done. We'll get married in the church, and then we'll be done. Uh, or we will, we will go through the class, we'll go to base camp, we'll become a member, and then we'll be done. We treat belief in Jesus Christ as this one-off experience where we go to the event and we go to the, to, the, to the rally or we go to the crusade and we sign the card and we come to the front or we raise our hand or we throw our stick in the fire or whatever it is that we do and, and that's it. Now you believe. You didn't believe and now you believe. But belief is so much more complicated than that and so much more complex than that. And I want to suggest to you this morning, when we reduce belief in Jesus Christ just to a once-in-a-moment thing in our lives, we do ourselves a great disservice. And for some reason, if you've been a part of church world in, in, in the U.S., if you've been a part of church world here in the U.S., if you grew up in church like I did, this is a big deal. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be a big deal, but we put a lot of emphasis on the one moment where you say the prayer and sign the card and raise your hand. Put a lot of emphasis on that one moment. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But that's like saying marriage is a wedding if we say that's belief. That's like saying parenting is just the day you have a child and then it's over. If all belief is, is just that one moment where I go from being searching and skeptical to saying that Jesus is who he says he is, if that's the whole deal, That is like taking something that's very complex and reducing it to just a moment. And it's something much more complex than that. We have a global outreach partner here at Mount Hope who did some work in China for a time. And his name is Tom Harvey. 
And I remember one time he was with, he said he was with a group of youth in China and he'd been meeting with them regularly for weeks and they had been doing Bible study. And he said he would write back to his supporters in the U.S. And he would say, he would say, you know, we're doing Bible study every week. The students keep coming. Uh, they seem to be really enjoying it. But unfortunately, nobody has put their belief in Jesus Christ. And he would send those letters back. And then he said one time he was having the gathering with the students. And, uh, and he said, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to the day that some of you or one of you choose to become followers of Jesus. And he said, the students looked back to him and said, what do you mean? And he said, I'm looking forward to the day that, one, that you pray the prayer and you choose to become followers of Jesus Christ. And the Chinese students looked back to him and said, we are followers of Jesus Christ. Why do you think we come week after week after week? We started believing a long time ago. And he said, he said to them in that moment in that little group, well, if that's true, that's great. But could we all pray a little prayer together quickly? Because I just have to, I have to write it in my letter and send it back to the United States. We put a lot of emphasis on the moment, but belief is a much bigger process. Because here's the reality. Do you think Nathaniel has this all figured out after he saw water turned into wine? We're going to see throughout this whole book these 12 disciples have no idea what's really happening. When Jesus goes to the cross, which is part of a much longer process of God restoring and redeeming creation and repairing the relationship between his people and him, Jesus, uh, when he goes to the cross, these guys still don't get it. And they've spent three years with Jesus. Because belief is something that grows and happens over time. Belief is both a point in time and a process over time. And I want to suggest to you that if you're treating belief as something that you just did one time when you were younger and not something that you're continuing to grow in, you are doing yourself a disservice. Belief in Jesus Christ is something that grows over time because the reality of this process that we looked at, that Nathaniel walked through from searching to invitation to encounter to follow to experience to belief, this is something that Nathaniel will go through over and over and over again as he follows Jesus. This is something that you and I go through over and over again in our walk with the Lord. We come with, to God with questions and we're invited to come and see and spend time in his presence. We encounter him. We follow him. We experience experience him and our belief is deepened. And then something else happens in life and we have the question and we're searching and we're invited to go back and spend time with Jesus and we encounter him and he knows us and we see, he sees us. We open up his word and he speaks to us and then we follow and we experience his presence and then the belief is deepened. Belief is something that grows and develops over a lifetime. It is not something that we figure out in a moment. And too often in church world, we, we sit on the edges. We sit on the edges of everything. And rather than participate in this process of encountering Jesus Christ and experiencing the work of God in our life, we sit on the edges and we just look and we watch and we say, I know what that's about. I know what that's about. And whether we're skeptical and sitting on the edges or whether we believe and sit on the edges, we're making the exact same mistake. Treating belief as a one-time event and not something that grows over the course of our life. So here's my question for you this morning. 
and I'm going to invite our worship team to begin coming forward. Here's my question for you this morning. Are you in a place right now in your life where you can encounter Jesus and experience his work? See, you can come to church. You can come to church on a Sunday and still not be in a place in your life where you can encounter Jesus and experience his work. To be in a place where you can encounter Jesus and experience his work means that you are intentionally following him in your life. It means the book is being opened and you are reading. It means that you are participating in spending time in his presence. Are you in a place right now in your life where you can both encounter and experience Jesus Christ? Are you in a place right now in your life where you can hear from Jesus, where you can hear from God, that he knows you, and that you can grow in your knowledge of him. If Nathaniel doesn't follow, if he doesn't accept the invitation, if he doesn't follow, he doesn't encounter Jesus Christ, and he does not experience the miracle that leads to his belief. It's the same for us. If we are not actively encountering the Lord, if we are not actively following Jesus Christ in our life, then our opportunities to be changed, our opportunities to experience his work in our lives and our family are limited. This is Bill Meany Jr. right here on electric guitar. A couple weeks ago, Bill became a member of Mount Hope Church. And at the end, if you're going to become a member of the church, you have to meet with the elders. And so Bill came and shared his story a little bit with the elders of the church, and I had never really heard the whole story before. And so I asked him this morning if he'd just share with you for a couple minutes a little bit of his story. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm sure a lot of you by this point have seen me up here every so often, but uh, it's great to be up here. Um, like Pastor Brian said, I just became a member uh, a couple weeks ago. I went through base camp. I was baptized here in November, and it's been a really great part of my life. But probably at this point, it's about two years ago that I started coming to Mount Hope, and it was in a point where, surprise, I wasn't a, a much of a believer when I first started coming here. I don't know if we spoiled that story. <laughs> um, but it was a really tough point in my life, and there was a lot of interpersonal issues in my family. Um, we were all going through a really rough time, a lot of changes that we weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, and it tested a lot of our relationships and tested the relationship between my mom and my dad to a, a very near breaking point. Um, and they started just, they happened to meet um, someone at Market Basket, said, you know, we're at this new church, new church location, come with us. And... They started going, and I, I still was just like, yeah, I'll sleep in. I'm still not, I don't know what that's all about, whatever. But I just watched as the, the point they were at was so disturbing and so, like, threw me off so much that I, I, it t turned my whole world upside down. And then to watch them come back from where they were to see the, the change that this church had on them, I... I, I just had to go and see, like, I, I'm a thinker. I've always been like, you know, yeah, Christians, they live a great life, but I can't, I can't reconcile my, my thinking mind with what the church says. But I started, I started coming. And uh, in one week, it was a, a tough talk week, a tough social issue. I think we called it a gay marriage Sunday that day. And that was tough coming from a kind of a 
a lot of my friends were of a very open background, a couple of friends that are in same-sex relationships. So that was a tough talk to hear. And as I thought about that talk, before I came back the next time, I just realized that there was a lot of logic to it, that the book and the logic made sense. So I started eventually coming back again. And then after that next time, I kept coming back every week. And I don't know exactly what week it was, but I eventually started playing with the worship team. I liked the music. Um, but there was something about when we started playing, and I eventually got to a point where the music wasn't just fun. I was, I could tell I was feeling something. And it, it, I'll always remember it was, I don't remember the date, I don't remember what Sunday, I don't remember what the sermon was that day, but we sang uh, a song, um, Chris Tomlin's Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, I've Been Set Free, and there was something about that moment, that song, the My Chains Are Gone, I've Been Set Free, there was just like this, I had this feeling in me, this presence in me, and I just, I knew at that moment, it was like, wow, this is, this is what everyone's talked about, this is that, I just, I knew, that was the point, and it's just, it's been nothing short of transformative in my life, and in the way that I've continued to live, um, and that was, that was what happened, I just was not a believer, and then it, he just worked his way into my heart, and it was through my service here where it really, it really hit me. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Belief is something that grows over time. And so all it took to change a family and change lives was one person at Market Basket saying, come and see. Come and see. Come encounter Jesus. See if church really is what you say, what you think it is. God does the rest. If we're encountering God, if we're experiencing his presence, he will do his work. It's our job to come and see. It's our job to accept the invitation. Our job to daily follow, and God will do the work of encountering people and doing greater things we could not do on our own. So I don't know where you are in the process. I don't know where you are in the process, but here's the question for you this morning. Are you at a place right now in your life where you can encounter and experience the presence of Jesus Christ. And if the reason is no, because you're so far away, you're searching and you're skeptical, come and see. Hang around and see if Jesus is who you think he is. And if you're at that place in your life because you've been treating belief like it was one thing you did a long time ago, something you completed and something that's done, start the process again. Start the process of getting, of getting to know God more and letting Him speak to you. So God, this morning I pray for each of us in the room. Lord, that you'll help us to put ourselves in that place where we can hear from you and experience your presence. Where we can experience what it's like to be known by you and to come to know you. And God, I pray that you will do your work as only you can. None of us understand it all. None of us know every single last detail. But God, we've encountered you. We've experienced you. And we believe that it is true. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m., 
and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again 